This is the Commons LA Podcast, a weekly podcast that shares the biblical teachings and sermons from our Sunday gatherings. For more information on how you can get connected at the Commons LA, please check us out online at thecommonsla.com. There's a lot of great information there. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. with our gathering this morning. We want to seek to listen to God. Every time we gather together, we open up the Word, the Scriptures, and we want to listen for God's Spirit leading us. So we want to face God as we gather. We want to embrace God and open ourselves to Him, and we want to listen to God and hear what He would have to say this morning. So we're going to be in John chapter 15. It is in your liturgical handout as well. If you brought a Bible, you can open up there now. We're going to be starting in verse 9. Um, If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Devin. I'm a staff elder here at the Commons LA. It is uh, always a joy to be able to gather on a Sunday morning because we believe that where God's people gather, where the church gathers in the name of Jesus, The scriptures say, mysteriously, yet in reality, Jesus meets with us. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so we gather here in hopeful anticipation that we get to encounter the risen Jesus by his spirit in a way that we can't on our own. And so that's why we're here. We want to open up God's word. We want to hear from him. And we've been in a teaching series specifically trying to unpack What is the good news? What is this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus came proclaiming? And so we spent the first week looking at the first preaching of Jesus in Mark 1. um, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then the next week we talked about faith and what it looks like to live into that kingdom. Last week we looked at rest and coming to Jesus and taking his yoke upon us and learning from him because he's gentle and lowly in heart, that life in the kingdom is a life of rest. Sounds amazing, right? Our hurried culture, running to and fro, so much pressure all around us all the time. Today, we're going to be unpacking the power of the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God. So would you stand with me as we read John 15? Verses 9 through 13. This is Jesus in the longest recorded teaching from chapter 13 through chapter 17 that we have of him. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. not even going to try and fight that. Coming right by here. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, 
to lay down his life for his friends. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, what a joy to remember right now that you love us, that you love the world, gave your Son for us, that we gather under your mercy and your grace this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for my my sisters, my brothers here, even strangers who have entered in, um, friends and family, they are in Jesus, even those unsure of who they think Jesus is and what they think about him, that you, Holy Spirit, would open the eyes of our hearts a little bit more to the glory, the majesty, the truth, and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Would you help us to see the kingdom of God, the ability to live with you here and now that will last on into eternity? And would you teach us how to live into it? So we want to submit ourselves to you, lay down all of our resistance, lay down our fears, and cultivate a childlike receptivity to you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and take a seat. So, talking about the power of the kingdom of God, and it's really simple. The power of the kingdom of God is love. Love is, as one theologian, Esther Lightcap Meek, puts it, is the giving of the self. Love is simply us giving ourselves for the sake of another. That is the power of the kingdom of God. And my hope is that you would be convinced by the scriptures this morning that that really is power. All of us are looking for power to be able to live the life we want to live. And love is the power the kingdom of God offers us. We think that love is weak, that the name of Jesus is just a word. But the church is filled with people a little bit further ahead of us who can hopefully attest to the immense power that love has had in their life and through them in the lives of others. Um, Last month, I took my oldest son, Hudson, on a kind of of coming-of-age trip. It was supposed to be his 10-year-old trip, but we did it at 12 because I made the decision to do these things after he'd already turned 10. And the goal is, okay, you were a younger boy before you were 10. Now you're an older boy. So we got to mark that. And so we go on this trip. And a part of this trip was me showing him movies from my childhood that I deeply love. All right? So think about what's a movie from your childhood that you deeply love? Nacho Libre. Libre. (laughs) Atlantis. I think. Back to the Future. Little Rascals. What? He's the man. She's the man. I was going to say, that didn't sound familiar to me. 
Lion King. Oh, I remember watching that in the theater. What? Despicable Me too. Are you like 16? I feel like you're 16 telling me that. <laughs> for me, for me, um, this movie was Men in Black. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is hilarious. I was laughing preemptively before the mo moments came up where Hudson's like, what is going, why are you laughing? This is not a funny part. And then it would happen and then we just die laughing together. It was amazing. But there's this moment in Men in Black. Men in Black, if you're not familiar with it because it was before your time, these 90s movies, it was uh, a, a movie from this comic series and Two agents are uh, learning to work together for this agency called Men in Black that are protecting the universe, protecting Earth uh, from aliens. And they kind of mediate this relationship between aliens, but they're kept secret from normal human beings. And so they walk around and they like blast people's memories when they've encountered aliens. If you've ever seen that, like look into the laser gun and then the red light flashes and it wipes your eyes. That's from this. So there's this moment where Agent K, Tommy Lee Jones, this old guy, is giving uh, a, a weapon to Agent J, who is played by Will Smith. And Agent K takes his own weapon off the shelf. It's like this huge metal, like bazooka-looking gun. He takes it, and then he takes a little tiny gun off the shelf and tosses it over to Agent J. And it is literally a me metallic squirt gun, is what it looks like. <laughs> and Agent J just goes, what? You gotta be kidding me! You get that and I get this little thing? And Agent K looks at him and says, that's the noisy cricket. And essentially says, be careful how powerful that thing is. So they're, they're chasing this alien later and Agent J pulls out the noisy cricket and he's like squinting his eye trying to look down the, the, the edge of it to aim it and he pulls the trigger and it goes whoosh! blasts him 20 feet backwards, and the, the laser screams out of it, blows up a car going after the alien. This little tiny gun that he had ridiculed was a way more powerful weapon than he was prepared for. Love this movie. <laughs> but to many of us, when Jesus calls us into the way of love, we think he's handing us the noisy cricket. We think it's this little puny thing that cannot possibly combat the weapons of the world. It's not possibly adequate to combat the powers of darkness, of evil, of endless finances, of all the shrewdness and strategies and evil and sin that we face day to day. Everything, rather than love one another, we search for bigger weapons, search for more powerful things, search for more satisfying things. But here's the thing, 2,000 years following Jesus have started the biggest movement in the history of the world with the central message 
being love. And the path of following Jesus being this reformation of human beings into the way of love. And so I want to convince you this morning that the most meaningful thing you could dedicate your life to, the most powerful thing that you could take seriously in your following of Jesus is learning the power of a loving life in Jesus' name. Jesus loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you. The Spirit of God loves you. All of us are here, hopefully, because we have encountered the power of God's love. And chances are you're bringing something in today that tells you, well, yeah, I know that he loves me, but... And you feel shame. You feel like you need to hide from that love. You feel guilt because you failed in the midst of that love. You feel fear because you wonder if that love will be enough to really carry you to the end. But your heavenly Father so loves you and is so dedicated to you and me and his people knowing the reality experientially of his love that Romans 8 says he has poured his spirit of adoption into yours and my hearts. It's an interesting phrase, the spirit of adoption. One of the the ways, one of the roles of the spirit of God in the world is to convince you and me We really are God's children, and he really wants us as his children. Paul prays in Ephesians 3, 15 through 19, that the Ephesians would comprehend just how lavish this love of God is for you and for me. He says, I'm praying for you that God may grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So in one way, He's saying that you may comprehend this so that Jesus can dwell in you more powerfully and more richly. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Friends, Jesus loves you. Everything will be okay. Whatever you are bearing right now, the love of God assures you that it will not end with the worst case scenario. It cannot.
make no mistake, the first invitation of God is to come into his hospitable presence through the love of Jesus, laying down his life and love for you. If you have never experienced that, maybe this morning is the first time that you get to encounter the love of God pursuing you. But Jesus doesn't stop with us receiving his love. Jesus calls us and actually commands us to be conduits of his love. He goes beyond saying, I love you, because for us to really comprehend the power and lavishness and extravagance and greatness and wonder of his love, we need to be participants in the giving of it to others. So Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, Here's my command to you. Love one another. Note that he doesn't say, read your Bible and pray every morning. He doesn't say evangelize all your lost friends. Doesn't say give your attendance to church every Sunday. If he said something like that, then we do just enough and then carry on living freely for ourselves. But loving one another requires living with one another, requires a shared belonging as though we really are family together. Jesus is not interested in saving individuals. He's creating a family of love in the world. It's the greatest apologetic to the reality of his kingdom and the power of the goodness and the glory of our good God rather than all the other options that people live for. He's so serious about this command to love one another that he says if you don't do it, You don't actually love me. The argument in 1 John and in other places. If you don't love people who you do see, who are made in the image of the God you can't see, then you don't love the God that you can't see. These are the terms of coming to Jesus. And the scary thing is, What starts happening in our mind right now is we think about how little love we see in the church and how little love we see around us or or in social media and all the scandals that come out. And we start saying, well, they don't really love. Are they the real thing? That's why those scriptures are written. It's because there are a lot of people who claim Jesus, but not a lot of people who actually know him. I want to know him. I want to follow him. You're here because you want that. We don't want to settle for the easy thing. We want the real power 
of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, it's love. So, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be his disciples rather than just Christians bearing a label, we need to devote ourselves to learning to love. Because the first thing that you probably feel, because I feel this too, loving is really hard. Every decision to love feels like a battle, right? Especially in a city like ours, where scarcity and hurriedness and competing people for, for limited things makes it feel like if we, if we risk loving someone, we're just going to get steamrolled by everybody. Anybody resonate with this? Yeah. We're in classes that are graded on a curve? Are you kidding me? How am I supposed to love people when they don't need that? They get to just give all of their time to setting the curve. And then I fall, right? You see how the math starts to work. And so then we begin, we can become convinced that this path is not viable. But that is where faith becomes real. It becomes real at the place where we take risk that is reliant on God to come through for us. Love is our calling because loving others, God knows, will be costly to us. Every act of love is, in, is a willing, taking, bearing on ourselves, suffering for the sake of another in varying ways, varying degrees. The smallest act of service is us taking time that we could have used for something else, giving it to someone. An act of solidarity in pursuit of justice for someone is us being willing to take the same ridicule and hostility that they themselves are taking. But that's what Jesus calls us to. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this so pointedly when he said something to the effect of the Christian life is less about cautiously avoiding sin. All right? Think about that. It's like, Many of us know, oh, I need to stay away from this kind of thing and this kind of thing and this kind of thing, often shaped kind of by our politics. He says it's less about cautiously avoiding sin and more about radically loving others. The call to love and learning to love is learning to step in in those moments of need. Pastor and theologian Brian Zond writes, the revolution that is intended by Jesus occurs when we seriously begin to live under the reign and rule of Christ. The kingdom of Christ is the most revolutionary politics, perhaps the only truly revolutionary politics the world has ever seen. Unlike all other political agendas, the supreme value of the politics of Jesus is not power, but love. Jesus rejects the politics of power for the politics of love. The politics of Jesus is without coercion. 
The kingdom of God persuades by love, witness, spirit, rhetoric, reason, and if need be, martyrdom, but never by force. Conventional politics is a contest to gain the use of the coercive. But Jesus rejects this method. In the politics of Jesus, the world will be changed by non-coercive love or not at all. It's not the task of the church to change the world by legislative force. It's the task of the church to be the world changed by Christ. This is revolutionary in a way that conventional politics never can be. So Jesus tells us, as the Father has loved you, I have loved you. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. This is my command to you. Now, chances are, we start imagining what a life of love looks like, and we're not too happy with what that life looks like. But I want to draw your attention to what Jesus says in John 15, verse 11. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus is saying that for you to have his joy, a kind of solid, unshakable joy in the volatility of the world, receiving his command to love one another is the path. Taking up that burden, that yoke that he said last week is easy and gentle to love God and love people and let your life be centered around that is where your joy will be found. We remain in Jesus' love by committing ourselves to lives of loving one another. The one another here is the church. It's his people. It's his followers. It's his family. It's his body. It's the temple of the living God in which we are all living stones. And that doesn't exclude us from loving those around us, but it says it's got to start here. Because just as much as we need to learn to pray, like we were all in agreement last year, we all need to learn to live lives of love. Because we're in a world, are we not, that is shouting at us, love yourself. And it's pushing us subtly into forms of self-love that we think are the highest form of love that preclude, preclude us from actually living lives of loving one another. We need to learn it. This is the school. We are the family. There is no following Jesus on your own because you can't learn the things he wants to teach you on your own. You can't become the kind of person he wants to form you to become on your own. So, TCLA family, here's our invitation this morning. I'm going to reiterate it. We need to learn to love as the power of the kingdom of God as much as we need to learn to pray. I think that vision is really important 
because it feels so hard to love people when we first begin. But you want to know what happens as you learn it? Jesus' words prove true. The next act becomes a little bit easier. And the next act becomes a little bit easier. And the next act a little bit easier. And there are still challenges and you still fall on your face. And there are ways that are really hard for you in particular to love people. But as his people, his promise is true. We, you will start to actually enjoy giving yourself away in love. And you'll realize that it's not only the power to win others to see that Jesus is alive and that he's real and that they can have his love too, but it's also the power to transform you and me, his love is. So, what if you and I today decided to dedicate the center of our lives to receiving afresh every day the love of our Heavenly Father, of our big brother Jesus, and the Spirit of God, and to being devoted to loving our brothers and sisters in Jesus? What if that was just the center of everything? It doesn't mean that we drop out of everything else and form a commune. But it means that centrally important is us hearing Jesus' command, love one another. As you love one another, you will remain in my love. I'm telling you this so that your joy, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That we just take him seriously and try it. The power of the kingdom of God, as we take up love, will prove more powerful than we imagined possible. We want to follow Jesus. We want to surrender to his agenda for our lives, and his agenda is love, but we need to learn it. All right? So here are some ways. The first thing that you and I need to do, we want to learn a life of love, is to experience the Father's love for us. We will never love one another by mustering up action towards others. Here are a few ways God loves you and maybe one of them will feel fresh to you this morning. God created you because he loves you. He thought of you. Psalm 139 says he knit you together. He saw Naomi and said, that's a great idea. I love that idea. I'm going to make a Naomi. <laughs> Think about that. You were God's idea. And he thought you were a good idea. So he made you. He loves you. But it goes beyond that. He pursued you. When you turned away from him, when you didn't live with him, when you didn't walk in love with him, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He pursued you when you wandered from him. He forgave you when you came to him. Jesus' whole parable in Luke 7 on the forgiveness of the two debtors, Jesus' question was, which one will love 
the, the, the master more, the one who is forgiven little or the one who is forgiven much? The one who's forgiven much. Belittling God's forgiveness of us belittles the power of its effect on us. Remember what God has forgiven you of afresh this morning. We want to experience his love each morning at the start of the day because we need to remember who God says we are and how we walk with him on the basis of his love. So that all the noise out there, all the things that would want us to fear, all the things that would want us to be inflated with pride, all the things that would want us to just judge everybody else around us and be angry are redirected by his love. Okay? First thing, experiencing his love. The second thing is that we learn to live lives of loving others, live lives loving others, the by the Spirit of Jesus, among the people of Jesus. The school of love is the church. And I have no idea what you think about the church, what you think the church is. The first church that I met Jesus in was a really broken, jacked up church. Tons of spiritual abuse. It collapsed, went from 15,000 people to closed in a year because it all came out. All sorts of stuff. History, baggage with church. And maybe you have pain in your past with the church. Maybe you just think the church is unnecessary. I've had plenty of people in ministry in LA think that the church just is kind of like a nonprofit that comes along the sides of Christians to help them keep going. But the church is the family of God in a real functional form with real faces to love. And you want to know why? It's genius of God. Because it'll decenter us from our lives. Love takes practice. Love takes pace. You can't be busy all the time and also be a person marked by love. Love takes self control. We're going to deny what we want for the sake of another. We can't love others while we're controlled by our cravings and compulsions. So first Tuesday fast, when that rolls around, dive in. The the disciplines of fasting and self-denial are not in, in and of themselves. They're so that we would learn, oh, I don't need to listen to my cravings, and I could be a happy person. I might be a little angrier on the days of fasting. But that's something to invite the Lord into. Love takes self-control. Love takes covenant. If love is, as we said at the beginning, giving yourself to another, this is the basis of love. Covenant, saying, I belong to you, and hearing in return, I belong to you. This is the basis of God's giving himself to us in love. The new covenant in Jesus' blood is him laying himself down so that as we come to him, we know we have sure foundation. This is why we have mission partnership as a church. Because if a few of us give ourselves to love and like we're committed here and everyone else is just dropping in on a Sunday and then we don't even know if they're ever going to show up again, 
What's that going to do to the people that are committed to loving the faces of people around them? So I want to invite everyone to find a family of God wherever you are and say, I am diving in to commit myself here because love is dependent on it. So, you could become a mission partner if this is the church family you want to commit to for the next year and be committed to. But here are some really practical handles that I've seen people do in the life of our church because it can feel burdensome. It can feel weird to just be told we need to love one another. But I want to communicate above and beyond all that this week as I was preparing this, I was so encouraged at the Spirit of God in the life of our church loving one another. The simplicity of people being celebrated on their birthdays in the life of our church. Did you know we have birthday questions? They were like created by a couple people inside the church to ask so that we can know people on their birthday. The rides to the airport, the late nights in conversation and prayer and support, the banding together to figure out how to serve the needs of people over the course of long periods of time because circumstances aren't changing. Huge financial gifts given to people in need. Small financial gifts given to people in need. Praying for one another. Using the spiritual gifts to build one another up in love. Like, be so encouraged. Church, you love one another. Keep going. And if you're on the sidelines, dive in. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of loving. Jesus says in Luke 12, don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid to follow Jesus. Do not be afraid to give yourself in love. He is faithful. He laid down his life, and look where it has gotten. We're all here sitting in a room because Jesus laid down his life. The Spirit of God was sent in. And this is the place where you too can learn the life of joy and peace in Jesus as you learn to love. Join community. Serve. There are so many ways to learn this life of love. But first things first, we're going to pray. As we do every week, we're going to pray uh, for about 10 minutes or so. And we're going to invite God's Spirit to move among us. There are two ways that this may be stirring in you. On the one hand, God might be stirring some sense of, of guilt. Man, I have lived my life for myself. Man, I have been so afraid to serve and love people. The covering of Jesus' death for us is knowing that as we walk out into the light with sin, with darkness in us, we're cleansed of it. We're free of its burden. And so maybe this is the moment, as much as you're comfortable, and I would say, do not give it more than a sentence to just say, Lord, I confess how I failed to love someone this week, 
in this way, or I confess how I've been unwilling to love people because I've been so caught up in my schedule and my time, or I've been so caught up in saving all my money for me for security, or whatever it might be. On the other hand, it could be inviting God's love uh, afresh into our lives. Lord, would you show us your love? Would you help us uh, to serve in your love? That's a prayer that God will answer, okay? Thanks for listening. We hope you found this week's episode encouraging and strengthening in your walk with Jesus. For more information on how you can get connected at The Commons LA, please check us out online at thecommonsla.com. There's a lot of great information there. Also, we'd love to have you join us at one of our church gatherings on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Upside Down Cafe in Westwood Village. We hope you'll continue to enjoy these podcast episodes.